because uh, that was a hmm. okay. I'm gonna grab my composure because that was <laughs> pictures off our piano and <laughs> those wonderful kids of mine. Ah, whew. okay, I'm good. I've got it. Is there anything else? I need? Is there another video that I need to be know, or we're good? We're good. Okay. Um, <clears throat> all right, we're in the third week of I Quit, but I just wanted to tell you, I, I just got back from youth camp. I uh, was asked at the last minute to come and be a speaker at youth camp at Pastor Gary's church, and so I, I went, and, and uh, Maddie was able to go with me. About 110 students there, and uh, just... You know, youth camp is always challenging and amazing at the same time. I mean, you know, because you see kids from all different stages, uh, from, you know, 12 years old, they're, you know, just very 12 years old. And then you see kids that are, you know, seniors graduated this year, whatever, and they're, they're very much, much more mature than the 12-year-olds. And, uh, and, you know, boys, dear Jesus you know, just, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, dude, were you running around camp naked? I mean, you know, they just take off their clothes and, and they're wet and muddy and they just, wherever they land is where they land. And then you have to go, you can't leave that there. And, uh, you know, didn't you were taught when you're a little boy that when you have to go to the restroom, you, you make time to make sure that you can make it there. <laughs> just all kinds of things, but... Uh, the cell phone reception was terrible. I'd have to walk out to the road at night and stuff to call Miss Kim and say, hey, but, you know, the services at night, these kids with all the different things they came into and came from, and some, you know, maybe the only spot they have for God is youth camp. Maybe that's the only chance they're going to get. Um, and some of them were just shipped off to youth camp because their mom and dad wanted a break for a week. <laughs> but watched God move in an incredible way. Um, each night, you know, there was service each night. There was service at 10. There was uh, service at 7. And a bunch of us went in about uh, 2 o'clock and prayed for about an hour or so during the day in there just, I mean, every day. And it was amazing to see what God is doing. And I, I said all that to say this because as we prayed during the day, we tried to make time to go in there and pray. And these were the adults and some of the students that wanted to pray. Most of the students... I think they thought, hey, we're at camp, you know, and, and they were. But the services were so powerful at night uh, were just amazing. I mean, uh, people getting saved all over the place, filled with the Spirit, led eight guys at one time, filled with the Spirit at one time, just, you know. And then the Thursday night service w was phenomenal. I mean, God just hit the place. And at one time, I'm my assumption, and just a guess, but I was a little groggy. Um, probably 50-some bodies of students laying, you know, just under the power of God. It was just an incredible service. So. But it brings me to this, you know, we can be who God wants us to be because he put it in you, and through him, you can succeed. So we started this series, and, and I preached this message there, um, and uh, that's what the Lord told me, and it kind of kick-started everything off. So I'm excited to share it with you today. This week is I Quit Living in Fear. If you're like most people, we've battled certain fears all our life. Statistics say this, that many times, uh, you know, they've done where they've showed where we've grown 
you know, when we were born, we were born with two fears. Babies have two of them, fear of falling and fear of loud noises. And if you think about it, you can go, oh, okay, that's probably true. And then the rest are pretty much learned. As we grow and we, you know, we get around other people, we grow, they're learned. Um, when you were little, anybody in here afraid of the boogeyman? Okay. Um, spiders, maybe to this day. Mice, a mice, um, a mice. A mouse will put my wife on the table quicker than Carter has liver pills. I'm telling you. So mice, uh, thunderstorms. <laughs> no comments, my brother-in-law, Jeff. <laughs> and it's not about him. It's about me. So, you know, and many times fear are they're irrational. In other words, they're not based on sound reasoning. We just in our mind, we, we get afraid of something. We assume it or we let it blow up in our mind. And then pretty soon we're like, Okay. So how about this? Um, since they are irrational, how many when you were little, if, well, if you've ever seen Monsters Incorporated or, you know, whatever, if the closet door is slightly open, that'll freak you out. But if you close it, you're fine. But if, it, if it's open, the monster in the closet could get out. Or... You cannot dangle your hand or your foot over your bed because the guy under the bed will pull you under. And if you have to go to the bathroom, you have to jump past where he could reach, go do your business, and then leap back on your bed. Not that I would know. But the fear seems very real. How about if you go into the bathroom and the shower curtain's pulled? Somebody could be back there. but all of us one time or another have taken different fears on as we've gone through life so today i'm going to show you four common fears the most common that you and you'll you'll understand number one is the fear of loss it's fear of losing something very close to you perhaps your spouse or or your parents or a, a favorite pet um financial loss you know that everything will go in the tank or your job you know, your house, whatever, stuff that's very close to you. Just losing control. Some of us just have a fear of, if I'm not in control, I'm losing it. I've known people that they had to be in control. If things are happening, they want to be in control because at least they feel like they have some control. If they're out of control, they don't know what will happen. How many at one point in your life have had the fear of losing something? Number two, fear of failure. We want to do something, but we're afraid. If we're afraid, we, you know, if we do it, we won't win and we won't succeed or we won't, you know, we won't do it well. Some of you are like, I want to do a small group PV. I do, but I'm afraid nobody will sign up. I'm afraid it won't go over well. I, oh, I want to start my own business. I love doing this, but what if it doesn't work? What if it just goes, you know, south? I'm afraid I'm not good enough. And if I don't try, I can't lose. How many have ever had the fear of failure? Number three, this is a big one. You'll know this one, fear of rejection. If you're a guy and you're growing up, you I want to ask her out, but I don't want her to say no. She could turn me down. Or if you're married, maybe you're afraid your spouse will leave or something like that. Some are paralyzed. Because they have a people-pleasing mindset. They have a fear of man, so to speak. And they want everybody to like them. 
So they try to please everyone. They want everybody to like their clothes, their hairstyle, their mannerisms, their car, everything that they do. And that was big with the youth because it was all about they like status. They like knowing, hey, man, I thrive. These are Nikes. These are cool. Or this is Under Armour. I never saw so much Under Armour in my life. When I was growing up, we didn't have Under Armour. We had underwear. And we didn't show that. Except my mother put underwear out on the line and I had to tell her, you don't put underwear out on the line. It's not good. <laughs> but see, what we do is we almost accept rejection before we get rejected. And so then when we get rejected, we go, told you. I knew that was going to happen. We have a preconceived idea that's not based on truth. So if we already come into a room, and we talked about this with a chip on our shoulder... It's based on a slant. So we expect to be rejected. And so we take it that way, even though that might not be what happens. How many have ever faced rejection? Here's the last one. Number four in the most common fears. Fear of the unknown. Some people are afraid. I don't ever want to get cancer. I don't want to. I don't ever want to get sick. Now, I'm not speaking any of this on you, so please don't misunderstand me. Or I don't want that to happen to anybody that I love. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, so it scares me. Some people will stay in a very bad situation because at least they know the situation. Ladies will stay where they're getting abused and beaten because they don't know anything else, and at least they know. That's bad. They're afraid to step out. In the unknown, they're just afraid it won't work or I'll be totally left behind. I could die out there. How about this? Some people say, life is going great right now, so I just expect something bad to happen. Oh, happy day. I'm waiting on the other shoe to drop. How many have ever been afraid of the unknown? How many raised your hands for all four? I'm afraid of you. No. No, I think they all interlap. <laughs> I would raise my hand to some extent for all four of those. Because I think as we go through life, we kind of, without even knowing it, we adopt or we take on things and we didn't even realize it. Or we're around people that, that, that they were strong in our life, but there are areas there that we kind of took on. So it goes back to a lot of things. It does matter who you hang with. It does matter what you're around. It does matter what your mindset is. It does matter in your culture and what you train. It does matter in your belief system. So it's not uncommon to have a little bit of all four that you've experienced, at least in your life. I don't want to go through life paralyzed by fear. Let me ask you the question. This is the, the big, what does God say about fear? What does God say about fear? Second Timothy 1 7 tells us that. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. The New King James will say, a sound mind. Fear is not from God. It's pretty simple. God didn't give you fear. I'm going to say that again. Fear is not from God. God didn't give you fear. Many of us get consumed with fear. We're worried. We're always anxious. We're overwhelmed. Uh, we're living paralyzed, and God didn't even give it to us. But we are just letting that take precedence in our life. He gave you, according to the scripture we just read, power, love, and a sound mind. Because fear did not come from God. So quit living in fear. 
Brett, that's easy for you to say. I'm going to help you this morning. And it's helped me. It's putting me through stuff that I've got to go. I never, I never thought of it this way. I preached this Sunday to a bunch of students. And God helped them catch a hold of it. And adults came up and said, I have never thought of it like that. And I'm telling you, God wants to do something with your life. But if we live in fear, we stay there. We can't go forward because we're afraid. My prayer is you'll quit living in fear. Fear. Now, this is what fear is. Fear is perverted faith. It's faith in the wrong things. Think about that. That's a simple definition. Fear is just faith in the wrong things. You're putting your faith in stuff you're afraid of instead of stuff that God's saying, just believe on me. So it is putting our faith in the wrong things. It is putting our faith in the what ifs of life. What if this happens? What if this? What if this? What if, what if I, what? What if? We live life in what ifs. Have you ever noticed that it's rare somebody says, what if something great happens? It almost always goes to the negative, but there are those few that'll say, you know, what if I do that and I fail? There's somebody, thank God, there's somebody that says, what if you do that and you succeed? You see, we got to understand it's the people that can conquer this area of the what ifs that stand out from the people that are just going to stay in the what if zone. It's the Davids that say, listen, because all the people that were trained warriors are saying, what if they kill us? What if they take us? What if the giants come? Ooh. And David is saying, what if this guy goes down? What if somebody goes out and says, dude, your head's coming off today. What if? Bless you. Moses is guilty of the what ifs. Exodus 4, 1 he plays the what-if game. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? King James behind me. The Lord does not appear to you. I mean, it's just the same thing. What if? What if, they don't, what if they don't believe anything I say? We do it too. What if I lose my job? What if the economy drops? What if gas prices go up? What if I get sick? What if my kids get hurt? What if we get in a wreck? What if I marry that jerk? What if we can't have kids? What if we have 10 kids? What if we can't get a sitter? What if my cat gets pregnant again? I have to throw those in for Amy every once in a while. The list could go on and on. But fear is placing faith in the what ifs of life. I'm going to give you two thoughts that could change your life. Two thoughts that could change your life. Why do your what ifs matter? And I need you to listen to these. I need you to think. And I'm telling you. It's going to strike a chord true in your spirit. Here's number one. Because what you fear reveals what you value most. What you fear reveals what you value most. If you fear something will happen to your kids or grandkids or, or you know, your family, that just shows that you place a high value on them. Now, this isn't wrong. I'm not telling you it's wrong to have a high value on your family. But it's showing you what you place a high value on. Because the Bible says where your treasure lies, your heart lies also. Heart always follows your treasure. If you fear somebody will steal your stuff, it shows that you value your stuff, your things a lot. If you fear losing your job or your money, you value your financial security and stability. Again, not bad, but your fear reveals what you value the most. And here's number two. What you fear reveals where you trust God the least. 
Bang. What you fear reveals where you trust God the least. If you're worried for your, your marriage, and that's saying you, you've got great value in that marriage. That's great. But you're also saying this, God, I'm not trusting you to keep that together. If you're worried that nobody will like you, it shows that you value acceptance a lot, but it also shows you're not trusting God for his favor and for friends. If you're worried about your parents or your grandparents or your kids, you're not trusting God to take care of them and protect them. In essence, you're saying, God, I don't think you're good enough or you're big enough to do this, so I'm going to contribute to help you by worry and fear. That never does any good. I started thinking about this, and I, even when I was praying with some students, I, I remember saying, he said, I'm just, I'm worried. I'm like, what are you worried for? Because my mind at 54 goes back to when I was in high school thinking, in high school I thought, oh, man, oh, I can't wait to get out of school. When you're our age, we're like, you don't even know how good you have it. I mean, in school you got no worries. Your parents pretty much spoon-feed you you know, here's some super sugar crisps. Enjoy. And then, you know, and he's like, I'm just worried. I said, what are you worried about? He said, oh, I'm worried. You know, the one boy, I'm worried that I, I, I'm not going to get a good job. And I'm worried. And I'm like, dude, how old are you? He goes, 13. I said, you're too young. He's 13. You can't even get a job now. Why worry about it? Be 13. Except pick up your clothes. You're saying the God that made the universe, the God that spoke life into being and flung the stars into space, created the mountains, made man, he can't take care of you? I don't believe God can take care of my finances. That's what you're saying when we're worrying. I, I'm not trusting him. I, I fear that it reveals areas of weakness that I'm saying, God, I, I just don't know that I trust you all the way in that. What you fear reveals where you trust God the least. I want you to be honest. I'm going to ask you a question. And I want you to fill in the blank. I'm not trusting God with whatever that is. If you're taking notes and put that down. Maybe it's your children, your future, your marriage, your money, your health, your parents, your college education, your pets, your friends. What is it? I want you to be honest. I'm not trusting God with this, my future relationship or this or my future job or or my retirement, or I mean, I don't know what stage of life you're in. It really doesn't matter, but what are you not trusting God with? <laughs> so I'm going to give you two points this morning on how to face the what-ifs of your life. The what-ifs of fear. Here's point number one. Acknowledge your fear and choose to trust God. Now, when I say acknowledge, I'm not saying speak life to it. I'm not saying make it center stage. I'm... I'm saying, in the past, here's what you've been dealing with. How many understood how I just said that? You might say, dude, I'm dealing with it now. Dude, now it's past. In the past, this is what I've been afraid of. Because you're going to move forward. So you're going to acknowledge what you've been battling. David acknowledged Goliath. Okay? He knew he was real. But he also said, today you're coming down. I'm going to do a series in the near future on how to kill giants. And we're going we're gonna to do this together. The stuff that you've been about, we're gonna, it's going to be gone. And you are going to be free in Jesus' name. Don't give it life. 
I want you to transfer your fear to trust. I want you to transfer your fear to trust. I want you to uncover it. I want you to repent from it. Brett, repent? I'm just afraid of it. Right, God didn't give it to you. Help me. You don't need to be afraid of it. You need to say, Father, I'm sorry for being afraid. Because you know what? You've allowed it to torment you. You've allowed it space in your brain. You've allowed it in your life. You've allowed it to build walls, to build things. You need to say, God, you know what? That means I fully wasn't trusting you in this area. I'm going to trust you now. I repent from that. I'm sorry about that because that's going down. You've got to understand me. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm trying to be real. You have to. Listen, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Well, I don't think that's sinning. Then this is for believers. It's not for you. You can go on living the way you're living. But if you want freedom from that fear, then you're going to have to confess it as I shouldn't have given that any life. That's truth. That's word. I'm saying. This is what my sister used to do when she didn't want to hear anything. She'd run into her closet. Mostly if I was getting sick or something or, you know, she didn't want to hear any of the, anything she didn't want to hear. La, 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 Cinderella, Cinderella, night and day it's Cinderella, la, 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 la. One time I was, I was about to, I was crying because I was getting spanked for something. I was always getting spanked for something. Half the time I didn't know what I did. Probably something she told him I did, and I don't know if I did it. <laughs> but she's in there, my dad was about to whoop me, you know, and he's about to come in and spank me for something. <laughs> and he said, what's that? And all you could hear was, ah, la, 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 la. <laughs> It was her in her closet. <laughs> so I'm not telling you to do that. But this is what I am telling you to do. Do what you can do and trust God to do the rest. Okay, listen to me. Do what you can do. Don't do anything you can't do because you can't do it. But do what you can do and trust God to do the rest. In other words, in those situations, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to trust God to do the rest. What you feed grows, what you starve dies. If you want to feed fear, it's going to grow. If you want to keep giving it life, it's going to get bigger. You'll get afraid of more things and more things. But if you want to starve it, I'm going to start trusting God. It's going to die. And that's what you want. King Saul hunted David. He wanted him dead. So, I mean, he hunted David everywhere because he was upset with David. I mean, he was trying to kill him. And I want you to think, if, you know, the president of the United States was hunting you and wanted you dead, I mean, you've got to be hiding. You know, and, and you're, you're just dodging everything. Everybody could tell on you and, you know, and all that. Psalm 56, 2 and 4, this is what David says. I'm constantly hounded by those who slander me. Many are boldly attacking me. But when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? You might say, well, they catch you, capture you, torture you, kill you. Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess they could do that to David. But you see, what David went right here in this verse, he went from thinking temporary to eternal. You see, David starts saying, you know what? My life is not about me. It's about God. What could they do to me if I'm already dead to myself? You cannot kill a dead man. 
if I die to Christ and I'm going on the mission he sent me, the what ifs, I don't have to be afraid of certain things because I've transferred my fear to God. If God wants me to do this and I don't have to be a fear that be a feared, I don't be a feared that they'll catch me because God's got my back. If he put me on a mission, I don't have to worry about completing it. I just have to trust him and be obedient. And I know I'll complete it. There's a difference. I want to put all of my faith in God, all of me, all of who I am, holding nothing back. My worst what if pales in comparison to the goodness of God. Take your greatest fear and choose to trust God no matter what. No matter what. Just say, God, I'm afraid of this. Well, take it and give it to God. Transfer it to God. The further away from God I am, the more I'm afraid of the what ifs of this world. The closer I am, the less I'm afraid of them. Here's our next point. Number two, seek God until your faith conquers your fears. Seek God until your faith conquers your fears. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, Romans 10, 17. If we would just start saying, God, okay, I'm going to seek you. Whatever you're afraid of, find out what it is, get a word on that, and just start putting that word in your body. Seek him in his word in prayer. Other believers praying for you. Small groups. Increase your time with him. Get up a few minutes earlier. Spend a little more time doing a little more studying, doing a little more praying. More, maybe put in a CD on the way to work. Praise him on the way to a trip to Columbus. You know, whatever, whatever it takes, but you're going to saturate yourself in your areas of weakness or fear. You're going to just let his word just start transforming your life. Psalm 34, 4 says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from most of my fears. What? Does that say all? He freed me from part. Every other one. The little ones. It says all. And, and I, I, you can look it up, but I've already done that for you. I'll help you. All means all. It means everything. All of my fears. He's answered me. He's freed me from those. Do you want freedom? If you want freedom, I don't want to live life afraid. I love Joyce Meyer says, then you're going to have to do it afraid. You know what happens when you do it afraid? You start breaking things off of you. But God, I'm afraid. Do it anyway. God, I'm afraid. You don't think David had any fear going out to face Goliath? You don't think Moses had any fear? Take your staff, raise it above the sea. Moses is already saying, what if they don't believe me? You don't think Joshua said, you know, how many times around this, this city? What if somebody says something? We told him to be quiet. There's a lot of things that could be working on your brain. Transfer it. All my fears. If you're feeling fear trying to overtake you at times, maybe in the middle of the day or in the middle of the night, I know sometimes uh, you, know, you might be woken up and you're like, <gasps> it's transfer time. It's time to say, all right, God close my eyes, and I see God on the throne. Now, seriously, I want you to get this picture. When you're so afraid, picture Jesus. See him seated on the throne. He's all you need. He'll supply every need you have. He'll protect you. Focus on him. He'll come between you and your fear. I told you the story of the man in a room, and he was so scared because across the room was Satan. And the man was just, he was just standing there, and he was afraid. He wanted to move, but he couldn't. 
And the only way I could relate that is, have you ever had a dream where you're, you're wanting to run and you want to get out of the room and, and, and some monster or some evil demon or something's chasing you and you want to say Jesus and it's just, just me, great. Well, you'll enjoy the story then. And you want to run and you feel like you can't. You're just paralyzed. You know you can run fast, but it's like your body is so scared it won't go. <laughs> and he wanted to tell Satan to leave, to get out. He wanted to leave himself and he couldn't. And Jesus appeared between him and the devil. And he, uh, as soon as Jesus was there, now he's right in between him and the devil. And he, you know, the first thought is, yeah, oh, it's on. Take care of it, Jesus. And Jesus didn't say anything. He just kept stepping back. And this guy's going, Jesus, don't step back. I mean, you're Jesus. That's the devil. You can do that. Don't, what are you stepping? Jesus just kept stepping back, stepping back, and just kept stepping back and stepping back. And this guy's, now he's letting his fears get the best of him. Why are you stepping back? You don't need to be afraid. Jesus got to where he is right here. Now, can, I mean, in my mind, I can picture the back of Jesus' head, his arms right here, and just, you know, and he's right here. It's almost kind of cool if you think about it. And, you know, if, if my wife was standing here, or, or my mom, or you can almost go, I can smell my mom. You know, when I was a kid, I know what she smells like. My, my daughter just said not long ago, Mouse said something, that smells like Grandma Cassie. That's what they call my mom. And my, Maddie said the same thing, that smells like Grandma. Why do they know that? Because they, they've been close to her. They've, you know, they've, they've held her and hugged her. And, you know, I can, I, can, I can picture my wife and smell how she smells, you know. Just think Jesus right there. And this guy's like, no, Jesus, no. And he said, then Jesus took one more step. And his, Jesus's foot went inside the guy's foot in his leg. And his leg went inside that leg. This arm went inside that arm. That arm went inside that arm. And all of a sudden, Jesus had just, whew, he was inside that guy. And he said his fear just went gone. And Jesus just went like that. And the enemy's just like, Whoa. that's what we do. We transfer. We don't be afraid in our what ifs. We say, God, you take care of this. You supply all my need. You will protect me. I don't accept the spirit of fear because it's not from God. How many have ever heard of Beth Moore? Okay, I'm going to tell you a quick story, and then I've got to wind this thing up here. Beth Moore tells the story of her greatest fear. She told the story, she's, her greatest fear, her greatest what if, she was afraid her husband would die. And so she went to God, and she, just, she, was so, she was getting consumed by this. She tells her conversation with God. She says, you know, if something happened to him, God, I would be numb. And God said, and then what? She said, well, my friends would probably be there to encourage me and help me after the funeral, and I'd be a mess. And God said, and then what? I'd probably not get dressed and go out for a month and just sit at home and cry. And God said, and then what? Probably another month of missing him and crying and shutting myself in my house and doing nothing but just moping and crying. And God said, and then what? And she said, I'd probably start relying on you to put my life back together and start living again. And God said, exactly. If you, I'm not telling you to do this, but I'm just saying if you played your what ifs all the way out, we're eventually going to get to the end of the road where it's just God. It's just God. What are you afraid of? Now, please understand, many things can be avoided by just staying in God's will and being obedient. We don't want to do anything, you know, out of his will, or we've caused a lot of things on ourselves. We don't want that. So 
remember, what you fear most reveals what you value the most, and what you fear is where you trust God the least. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. When we know God the way he wants, and it's okay to have a fear of reverence for him just because of who he is and what he's done. I get that. I'm talking about something that you're afraid that goes bump in the night or you're afraid will happen to you. Satan wants you to be in bondage. God wants you to be free. Quit living in fear. Would you bow your heads, please? (coughs) Heavenly Father, so good to be in your presence today. With the heads bowed and eyes closed around the room, maybe there's some here that, that are saying, Brett, I'm telling you, man, I have been so afraid of this or that, and I don't know what it is, but you've really been in bondage to it. I mean, it's really got a hold of you. But I want you to face your fears and confront the enemy this morning. I want you to be free. And I'm going to pray. And if that's you and you've been living in fear to some extent, I just want you to put your hand up and put it back down. Yep. Yes. All over. According to Mark eleven twenty three and 24, it says that we believe when we pray, not when it shows up. So when we pray right now, you're going to believe you're no longer going to live in fear. You're going to transfer this to God. What I want you to do with your heads bowed and your eyes closed is when you get home sometime today on his Father's Day or tomorrow, whenever you can, I want you to find some scripture that will combat some of the things you're afraid of. I want you to write it down on a three by five card or a post-it note. I want you to stick it on the mirror when you brush your teeth in the morning and maybe on the dash of your car or wherever you need to see it, maybe on the refrigerator. Every time you go to the refrigerator or you see the mirror, you see it on the dash, say the scripture out loud. Let it saturate in your spirit. Maybe it's that the one we did from Timothy. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That one's awesome. You can use that one. Because when the enemy tries to get you afraid, you're just like, you know what? I'm not doing that because that didn't come from God. Next, moving on. 